My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Um, for those of you online, we have uh, done the most non-Baptist thing ever. And we don't have the same tables in the same spot in the room today. So the angle that I have to look at to see the Arders and the Johnsons is different. And it's throwing me off. So just FYI. No, I don't want you to move. I just want you to be aware that if I look over here and I get confused, that it'll just take me a second. So <laughs> wave me down. That's exactly right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, today we are uh, starting a new section in Philippians chapter 2, uh, Lights in the World. So if you've got your Bibles, let's read through Philippians chapter 2. Um, I have finally broken this Bible in so that when I just kind of, like it, it just, it, it flips and flops open nicely to uh, Philippians 1. And now that I have, it needs to flip open to the next page. And it never will. So the way Bibles work, but this is my own cross to bear today. All right, so Philippians chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross." For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, 
as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason I am eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Philippians chapter 2. So if you've got your green books or if you're watching online, uh, head over to page 135 in your green book. And I will uh, tell you that uh, I believe in a theological concept called progressive revelation, where God reveals more and more and more of himself throughout history, uh, up until the point when the canon of Scripture was closed. Uh, And I will also tell you that that's probably the closest way that I can describe how my understanding of the Greek language is evolving as well. So I will write something or say something or phrase something, and then six months, nine months, two years, five years later, I'll go, I think that's right, but it could be better. So in today's lesson, I have put a couple of words in the brackets, I think in the wrong spot. So I'm just going to tell you where to draw some arrows and move some things around. So if you'll forgive me, I think I've misplaced two Greek words today uh, in your handout. So there you go. Mea culpa. Uh, but on page 135, uh, when I, I say that because on page 135 is the Greek for this new uh, pericope, uh, and when I am not 100% sure, because not every Greek word is translated into English and not every English word has a reflection in Greek, uh, I usually just keep it in the order that it shows up in the Greek New Testament, and maybe I'll figure it out later. So this is the order that the words show up in the Greek New Testament on page 135, 136 is the text that we're uh, looking at today. So if we'll go to the next slide, Dave. So this is our two verses for today. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. So as as I read through this, I want you to think about what theological term sums up these two verses, okay? As, as just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more at my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who's working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Sanctification, there you go, great. So this is cookies on the lower shelf, right? We're not talking about something crazy. This is sanctification. Uh, and with that in mind, what I want to do as we move into page 137, what's the first word at the top of page 137 in red? Therefore. So now what did we just come out of? We just came out of the Christ hymn, and um, what we saw, go ahead, Dave. What we saw was the humiliation, right? So this 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 idea of this lowering of Christ's position and his claim on who he was and uh, the the authority that he had, and then this exaltation that occurs in verses nine through eleven. So we have this this dip, and then this we're coming out of this. So because of what Christ did, and how God has highly exalted him, verse 12, therefore. So what I want us to make sure we don't miss is that we don't get to have sanctification unless Jesus does the work that only Jesus can do. 
right? So like, I, if Christ had never come, Jim doesn't get to grow more like Christ. Like, you, you see what I'm saying with this? Like, we have to have Christ do what only Christ can do for us to grow into Christ-likeness. So this word, therefore, bugged me for a while because I could, I was like, what are we, how do you piggyback off of this hymn into sanctification? And it was like, oh, because it's about Jesus. I'm making it about the style of the literature and not the subject of the literature. So this is where I, I can get sideways sometimes going, like, let's look at this tree bark as opposed to, no, 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 no. The forest is this bigger picture. So there's that. Awesome. Let's go to the next slide, Dave. So with all of that out of the way, um, I will tell you that uh, I did not read my normal number of commentaries this week because I got stuck early with a quote, and I couldn't get it out of my head, and I feel like it frames verses 12 and 13 really, really well. So this is from uh, the Christ-Centered Exposition, and I am saying this through gritted teeth because I have railed on these books for a while. I didn't think they were that great, and these two guys are really, really doing a nice job with this. So this is a pretty good quote. So as Paul teaches us about sanctification, he commends, then he commands, and then he comforts, which is like, okay, Check the Baptist preacher box. That's fine, whatever. But these are like really, really good. So he commends. So therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. So you've obeyed, right? So I'm commending your behavior, right? Then he commands, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? And then verse 13, he comforts. Because you could... Like, you could hear that. Like, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling to be like, oh, that's a high bar, it sounds like. For, so there's a connecting word, it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So if, if any of you have ever led people, you may have been told uh, to provide feedback in a manner that is somewhat-ish consistent with this, right? Positive the thing you really want to say, and then positive. So this is a very old structure. Uh, and I think Paul uses it, obviously, theologically accurately, but also Christologically accurately, and in a way that is edifying and building up the church. So like, don't miss how slick he is when he's doing this, right after he's come off of this just like, it's Jesus! So, all right, so let's go to the next slide. But you'll see that quote kind of frame the applications and the personalizations today. All right, so here we go. So therefore, my, the singular, dear friends, plural. Look at the Greek word for that, dear friends. It's agapetos. What does that sound like? Agape, right? It, so in Greek, uh, much like in English, the noun form of the word and the verb form of the word look a lot alike. So he just kind of made the verb the noun, and here you go. You got it. Uh, and this shows up quite a bit in, in the New Testament. Uh, this, this is a word that's going to be translated a lot of different ways in English translations. It could be beloved. It could be dear friends. It could be friends. It could be those whom I love. It could, there's lots of ways to just say, I care about you, and that's what he's talking about here. So, my, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, and this is, like I, I don't, I don't want us to miss 
the, the significance of the grammar here, because this is an active indicative. So the indicative means it's a statement of fact. So Paul's saying this is a statement of fact, and the active means this is a continuous activity. So he's saying you've always obeyed. Now, would Paul uh, address issues when issues needed to be addressed? Yes, absolutely. Uh, see Corinthians. <laughs> Pick a chapter, any chapter, right? Blindly open up and you will find something that he is addressing that needed to be addressed. Um, and at the same time, were the Philippians only and always ever perfectly righteous in their obedience? No, we're not, right? So we know this is not intended to be a statement of all of their obedience at all times because in chapter 4, who are we going to talk about? The two ladies that are getting after it, right? Yodia and Sintiki. And so we know they hadn't always agreed, but it appears that they have obeyed Paul, right? So there's been a certain amount of, like, this is really... This is really good. This is good behavior. He commends them for this. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, application at the bottom of page 137. Um, Christians speak truthfully and lovingly. So, Paul is telling the truth, but he's doing it in a loving way. Right? And that's, that's a great model. Like we, we just don't always have to have something to gripe about. Okay, Jim, you just don't always have to have something to gripe about. <laughs> like, sometimes you just encourage somebody. It's good. We need it. You need it. I need it. So what do we do with that? I'm going to borrow from the, the quote just a minute ago. Commend one another. Right? Commend one another. Go, just take it upon yourself today and tomorrow and every day thereafter to find some Christian who's doing something well and go, that's awesome. Keep that up. That's great. I just want to encourage you. I'm not saying this, so I'll get 100 text messages this week. I like it when I get encouraged. Do you like it when you get encouraged? I'm going to guess that the Philippians, when they heard that sentence being read to them, was like, well, that's awesome, man. Thanks. That's really cool. appreciate the encouragement. Because remember, where were they living? They were living in Little Rome. And they weren't getting that encouragement when they hit the sidewalk. They weren't getting that encouragement when they went to work. They weren't getting that encouragement when they talked to their neighbors. This was not a, a happy place for a believer. So now, at the bottom of page 12, these words, so and now. So, the word for so actually shows up, uh, the first word at the top of page 138, so that, uh, the hos, uh, the G5613 there, that actually should be pointing up to the so. And then this is the worst error I've made in the book so far. At the top of page 139, that none, the G3568, that's the word for now. Um, it's like a page and a half off on that one, so sorry. <laughs> I can't say that was a typo. That was just a flat-out mistake, so sorry about that. Um, all right, so on page 138, so now, not only... In my presence. Ha, 
Have you ever felt compelled to behave a little better when the preacher's in the room? Except for Daryl, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he's not behaving either, right? Is that the idea? Um, but we, there, there's always just like a little, uh, a little stiffening, right? It's like, oh, yep, all right, here we go, cool. And that's one of the things that I love about you know, our pastors that I don't always feel a little stiffening. Sometimes it's like, oh, I can actually relax. That's cool. That's great. But, but for most people, when a religious authority is near, there's a, oh, got to be on our best behavior. You may have heard your parents tell you that, or you may have told your kids that, or I may have told my kids that, or I may have told my kids that more than once. I don't know. But, uh, but there's this, like, oh, not, not only in my presence. So application here is Christians obey when leaders are around, right? Okay, that's good. Makes sense. So what do we do with that? Obey. So Christians obey when leaders are around, so let's obey. Great. Pretty straightforward. And then he turns at the bottom of page 138, but, so we're, now we're going to go in the other direction, but 39, even more, in my absence. You're like, whoa now, whoa. He could have just said, but also in my absence, right? But he didn't say, also in my absence. He said, but even more in my absence. So the Philippians took the opportunity to double down on obedience when Paul wasn't around. What a lovely gift to give to a leader. Like, I'm not nervous. I'm not worried. I'm not... I'm not panicked and freaking out about because they, like they got it. They understand what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing it. It's good. So application in the bottom of page 139. Christians obey more when leaders are not around. Christians obey more when leaders are not around. So what do we do with that? Obey more. Now, in the Venn diagram of Paul's physical presence, is he going to be either with them or not with them? Like, has he covered all scenarios with those two? Like, I'm either with you or I'm not with you. Can he be sort of with them? Like, it's like you're pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not pregnant, right? So he's with them or he's not with them. So in all these situations, the result is always what? Obey. Yeah, it's like just obey. So, I love it when he makes it simple for us. <laughs> right? If you're looking for complex theology, you're not going to get it today. If you're looking for encouragement, I hope you get it today. <laughs> like That's what this lesson is about. So, we obey when leaders are around. We obey when leaders are not around. So, even more in my absence. And then we come to this, uh, what can sometimes be stunningly misunderstood text. Um, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right. Anybody ever heard somebody preach on this before? Yes. A few times. Maybe today. I don't know. But, uh, so this work out, uh, I want to <laughs> lean into an area that you might not have heard focused on before. Is this work out a singular or a plural verb? Plural. The word your, is that singular or plural? 
plural. So is this a singular or group activity? This is a group activity. Now, there's more. Work out your own. Is the word own singular or plural? Singular. And salvation. Is salvation singular or plural? Right. See, this is a group activity with individual results. Now, can you get saved in a, as a group? Like, we are collectively... No, 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 no. Salvation is an individual, individual decision to repent and believe in the gospel. But the process of sanctification where God is working and we, he's working in and we work out is a group activity. And if the idea that the Christian life is a group activity is something new to you, then I would say this is week 27. Um, perhaps revisit some of the earlier lessons because we've been talking about the plurals quite a bit in this series. Um, and I've gotten to the point where every time I just see the word you in the New Testament, I think it's plural. Like my default setting is plural until I get proven it's singular at this point. Like it's just, it's to the group, right? So what does this word mean, work out? Karagadzamai. Uh, uh, so this is a present, which means it's continuous. It's an imperative, which means it's a command. And then we have this, and I, I, I almost never lean into this. So if you've seen me avoid this phrase, it's on purpose, middle or passive deponent. I am not getting into what a deponent is. I am still trying to wrap my head around that. It is this wonky, wonky thing in Greek. But the thing is, is it middle or is it passive? Now, if you go back in your green books... And if you flip over to page uh, 11, I think it is, flip over to page, actually page 9, that's our cheat sheet for Greek verbs. So all the answers for what all these things are, are in here. You got in page 9, Jules? Is that right? <laughs> that's all right. I know you got it memorized. You want to just give us a brief overview of the middle? No, sorry. Um, all right, so we've got, uh, this is middle or passive, right? So passive is where the subject receives the action. Middle is where the subject performs the action in a way that affects the subject. But this, either way, the subject is receiving the action, right? And a deponent is a verb that's in the middle or passive form but is active in meaning, which can, if you try to keep too many thoughts in, in your mind at once, like my head starts to explode, so I'm not going to go into that. But which one do you think this word is based on page 140? Is this middle, where the subject performs the action in a way that affects the subject? Or is this just the subject purely receives the action but is not involved in the working itself? This is middle, where the subject is working and it impacts the subject. Okay? So... In my notes, I have a little check mark over middle and a little X over passive because it's pretty obvious from the context. And that's one of the great things about uh, having more than just one word, <laughs> that there's a context in which to study it. Now, the trick and the reason we don't know whether it's middle or passive just by looking at the verb and the spelling of the verb is that the spelling of the middle and the spelling of the passive are the same. And we actually experience that sometimes in English where there are different parsings 
of the same root word that are spelled the same but function differently as different uh, middle or passive or actives depending upon the context of the sentence. So you have to dig a, a little bit deeper. So we actually know this one, which is kind of cool. So it's a middle. So work out. So the subject is doing the work and it is impacting the subject. But what I didn't say is the subject is doing the work alone, right? The subject can also partner in this work, and I think this is what we're going to see here in just a second. So work out, uh, and th again, this is a present imperative, so this is a continuously uh, uh, to be implemented command. Uh, your own salvation with fear and trembling. So why do we need fear and trembling? Like, what's, what's that about? Not casually, good. Is righteous living easy? I wouldn't call it easy. Could you get caught up in, like, I'm doing a great job. Woo, look at me, look at me. Mm, let's, let's dial that down a little, <laughs> right? We don't need to crank that up to 11. I do a good enough job of that on my own. Let's crank this down. I think this is where Paul is headed with this fear and trembling. Like, please understand that like, <laughs> this is not all me. So at the bottom of page 140, our next application, Christians speak truthfully and clearly. So when truth needs to be stated, let's speak truth and let's speak it clearly. So what do we do with this? Command one another. Not commend, command one another. There are times we should be direct with each other and speak plainly with each other. Now, I will have you notice that you can pick pretty much any New Testament passage and the bulk of the verbs are not imperatives. So this should not dominate our speech relative to the other types of speech that we have with believers. Does that make sense? Like we got to... like. Um, we got to keep that tucked in. <laughs> and we use that when we need to use that. Not, it shouldn't just be like, we lead with commands all the time. Like, ah, you're not going to be leading with anybody because you're going to be real isolated real quick. So then we get to verse 13 on page 141. Four. So again, so we've got a, there's a, there's a reason. <laughs> so he's connecting this thought to the prior thought. So this sanctification, for it is God who is working. So which member of the Trinity are we referring to here? Is it Jesus? I don't think it's Jesus, right? Is it the Father or the Spirit? Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of with Shanda. I... I can see it, the Father. I can see it, the Spirit. But here's the way I'm going to say for our application. God habitually works in his children. And the reason I'm going to say habitually is because that word for working is a present active participle. It's his habit. How awesome is that? 
my God's habit is working in me. There's some encouragement for you. Holy mackerel. God habitually works in his children. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go. Lean into that. Yes, it's not a mindless habit. Yes, this is an active, right? He is, this is, yes, yes. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Y'all just going to preach now. It's whether we see it or not. Or feel it, or acknowledge it, or know it, or believe. Yeah, right. Yeah. Keep going, Matt. Well, so let's lean into that. So you said the only thing that'll hinder it is us. Um, is it going to stop him from working, though? No. May make it more painful on our side, right? I mean, I, I can assure you guys that I have done really stupid things in my life where. Uh, and it <laughs> wonderfully did not alter uh, or slow down God's ability to work in any way, shape, or form. And what an encouragement. This, is, this weight of working out our salvation is not ours to bear alone. So God habitually works in his children to rejoice because he is faithful. In page 42, 142, both to will... So this is, this, is a, this is where our English translations get a, like just a smidge uh, picky. You, you have to pick a side on how you want to translate this word, but this is the word uh, thelo. Uh, it's a present tense. It's an active tense, so he's active. Again, I'm going to lean into this, Mitch. Thank you for saying that. Um, he's actively doing this. But this word is the word to determine or choose or prefer or to wish. Uh, the like, our God keeps on picking us. He keeps on choosing us. I'm going to say something and some of you are going to like, I don't know about that. You can't make God sad. You can't. It is not possible because the Father's delight in His children comes from the completed work of Christ, not us. So there's nothing you can ever do to disappoint your Heavenly Father. It can't happen. He also can't be any more delighted in you than he currently already is. So when you hear phrases like, that's got to make God smile. No, 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 no. He's already overjoyed with you through the finished work of Christ. He can't be any more pleased with you than he is right now. Like, What kind of an imbalanced system has he set up so that we are so lavishly loved no matter what? I hope you sleep easy at night knowing that you are loved more than we can possibly ever understand or describe or articulate. You can learn every language in the history of the world and use every word and every one to describe in the most majestic, glorious way. We will never scratch the surface of how much God loves us. 
It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And he's not done. But wait, there's more. Because there's an and right there. And to work. This is a present active. This is a continuous activity. Our God is not a lazy God. So what do we see? The application down here at the bottom of page 142. God continuously chooses His children. Yes, He chose you before the foundation of the world was laid. And He did it today too. And He did it now. And now. And now. And now. No matter what. So what do we do with that? Rejoice, you are eternally chosen. <laughs> this is amazing news. Both to will and to work according to his good purpose. And I will say, that is one way to translate that word. But look at the definition of Yodikia. It means satisfaction or delight or kindness or wish or purpose. Purpose is the third definition of the third definition. The word most commonly means to find delight in this particular thing. So why does he do this? Because he loves it. He loves us, and he loves the activity of loving us. I saw a character in a movie one time say to another character, I love loving you. I was like, that's kind of cool. I didn't realize God loves loving me. Because all of our earthly love, when it's right and good and true and just and Beautiful is merely a reflection of what God is doing. So what do, we, what do we see here? God delights in loving his children. God delights in loving his children. So what can we do with that? Rejoice because he is not changing his mind. He's not turning around. He's not going back. He's not saying, no, no, I've had enough of Jim. Today was too much. Nope. He's not going to do it. Like, what kind of confidence can we walk around on this planet in knowing that our Father loves us, He loves loving us, He's continually choosing us, and He's habitually, actively working in our lives? Don't you dare be timid. Oh. So what do we do with that? All right, so I'm going to, the last of the three from the quote earlier. Application number two at the bottom of page 143. Christians speak truthfully and reassuringly. Right? Truthfully and reassuringly. I'll say this another way. Preach the gospel to each other often and always use words. (laughs) Christians speak truthfully and reassuringly. So what do we do with that? Comfort one another. 
only the gospel can handle the weight of all of my anxieties and fears, then God is working in and through us to accomplish His delight in His work. So if you take this theological concept and you rewind all the way back to Genesis 1, and you look back at Genesis 1, and at the end of day 1, he saw that it was good. And he delighted in the good that he had made. And 3, and 4, and 5, and 6, and 7, and it was very good. And he was delighting in what he had made. He hasn't stopped delighting. If you're wondering what our God does, he delights in his work. Because his work is good and right and holy in all that he does. And Zeke and Shanda, he delights in you. Bethany and Dave, he delights in you. How cool is that? Like, he delights in you. Bruce, happy early birthday. He delights in you. Thesa's birthday is next Sunday. He delights in you even when it's not your birthday. Julie, he delights in you. Brian, he delights in you. Mitch, Sherry, he delights in you. On the good days, on the bad days, he delights in you. Every day, he delights. Right now, while you're listening to me say the words, he delights in you, he is delighting in you. Matt, Jen, he delights in you. How amazing is that? You just, I I don't know, I have to stop teaching because it's time, but he's not going to stop delighting in you. Ever, ever, ever. And when we are all gathered together with him one day, he will delight in us. And it is beautiful. So, with that, we'll have to stop. Oh, those of you online, he's delighting in you. Yes, fantastic. (laughs) Didn't mean to leave you out from the delight. It's a delight party. It's great. All right, speaking of parties, uh, next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, we're going to have a Sunday school lunch after uh, the morning service here in this room. And uh, not only to celebrate Thesa's birthday, and if you have lunch plans somewhere else, I get it, I understand, that's fine. But next Sunday is the 15th anniversary of our Sunday school. Uh, so we came to this campus 15 and a half years ago. We spent uh, six months with Daryl. And then we were allowed to uh, start. See, somebody's going to do a transcript of this one day, and they're not going to get that at all. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, And then we were graciously allowed to come into this room and uh, start teaching. And uh, so next Sunday is 15 years. So we may have some little party stuff next Sunday morning or Sunday. I don't know. We'll have something. But there'll be a ton of Mexican food. I think that's probably what we're going to do. So invite your friends. (laughs) That'll be great. Have a big party. It'll be great. Uh, maybe we'll wear some birthday hats for Thesa too, so there's that. But uh, your prayer requests are there. Uh, if you have any new ones or need any modifications made, please make those. Uh, attendance on the other side, once you do that, pray as a group. Please thank God today for the fact that he delights and chooses and loves you and is never, ever, ever going to stop because it is just wonderful news. So with that, thanks for coming today, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.